Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. Now for hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They open Tuesday to Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Today's episode is also sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. If you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of cakes, desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my personal favorite, the Oreo cheesecake. They're open Tuesday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. So stop by and visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spartanburg Highway in Lyman, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. Today we are on the road again for another special episode of the Cross the Line Podcast here in Birmingham, Alabama. It's been a great tour, great adventure, been meeting a lot of great people. We have another special guest with us today. He's an athletic consultant and NIL strategist, Mr. Michael Barham. How are you? Man, I'm well, man. What's good with you? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Can't complain. I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, have a conversation with us again today. Uh, man, I appreciate connecting with you, man. I, I, I definitely uh, love what you do, love the vision, and um, yes, definitely a fan. Yeah, so uh, I just for people watching this, um, to tell people how this came about, um, we both know Smooth, you know. Uh, I met Smooth a couple years ago. I said this in our last interview. I, I met Smooth a couple years ago when I was doing some freelance work for the Source, Source Magazine. This was back in 2020, right before the pandemic happened in Charlotte. And... Um, he came up there, uh, like right towards the end when we were getting ready to take everything down for the Source magazine. He was there, and uh, so I, I met him then and met him and the artist that he was with and a couple of his other guys. And you know, me and him stayed in touch, follow each other on Instagram. So you know, he would always you know reach out to me, and say, "Man, I love what you're doing. Uh, keep supporting uh, entrepreneurs, black-owned businesses. We need that for we need that platform." So. This is our third tour, and I reached out to him and said, "Hey, man, I'm thinking, thinking we want to, you know, come to your city, you know, cause so, show some support." And uh, he's like, "Bet, man, I'm glad you're coming out here." And right after that, he just started sending me so many people, man. I'm like, for a while, I was like, "Man, hold up, man, I can't get everybody on." <laughs> but yeah, he uh, sent me a lot of people, man. And I reached out to you guys, man. I appreciate it. So I definitely want to say a uh, big shout out to Smooth for making that happen, man. Really good dude, man. No doubt, big shout out to you, Smooth. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, so, so kind of starting about your story, like for people watching this, you know. I watch you looking at your page on Instagram. Like you do a lot of uh, inspirational, motivational speaking. Um, like I say, athletic consultant, NIL strategist. But it's a lot of stuff you know people don't know that you went through to get to where you are. So starting out, like how would you describe yourself? So when you say how, do, how would I describe myself, is is more so the journey or me as a Just person? Just like as itself. a person, like who like who would people say like if they want to know like who would you say is Michael Barham? Gotcha. Yeah. So um, for me, more. I'm a connector, bro. I'm just more so a gen- genuine individual that challenges everybody to elevate that's around me. Um, it's a natural thing. I think it came from just being an athlete um, mm-hmm. and just my passion to help people. Uh, I just really, like, love to – like, I literally – I wake up in the morning thinking about who can I help today, and I go to bed, like, just, like, thinking about, like, man, was I impactful to someone? So I'm um, just a servant, servant at heart, um, and, and just an individual that challenges everybody to be better than they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Were you born and raised here in, in Birmingham? So I was born in Bessemer, Alabama. Um, it's, it's probably about you know fifteen, 15 minutes minutes yeah. away from here. Uh, so born in Bessemer, Alabama. I was raised in Bessemer, Alabama. Spent some time in, in Berea, Kentucky as well, and then uh, came back here, and, and I've been here since. Okay, w- would you say it's like a big difference in Bessemer, like as far as like a mindset in Bessemer as opposed to like here in Birmingham? Would you say it's a big difference in like the mindset of people? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say it, it's a big difference. Um, I definitely think that a lot of people don't – we're not given a lot of credit in Bessemer, um, just s- simply because, like, when you think Birmingham, it, everything is, is done inside of Birmingham. Like, because we're a smaller city, a lot of the negative things get uh, highlighted, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of uh, positive um, in the city. So, um, you know, when it comes to mindset, um, our city is definitely making that shift to seeing, like, you know, uh, you know, they're seeing the people who've done some impactful things. So the transition of like, I'm bigger than, you know, everything that's being highlighted, so to speak, around. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a, a shift uh, in the city where, you know, a lot of people are hungry to prove that there is positive in the city. Right. Well, I know you say you you spent some time in uh, Best, Best Man and in, in Kentucky. Like, would you, uh, 
How long? How how long did you stay in Bessemer before you went to Kentucky with these? Gotcha, man. So my mom was going through like this. This kind of this tough 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 transition in her life, and my uncle was going to Berea College at the time, and so um, he spent a lot of time raising me. So it was probably from maybe like this the second time I went through the first grade because cause I bad kid. Mm. Fell first grade. She sent me with my uncle to to Berea from the first to like the the fifth grade, and so um, in the mix, it was a different transition um, culturally. Uh, I, it was a mixed environment, so I, I was used to going to school with just you know straight African American. Then now I'm having to make this transition where you know it's it's, it's different. Um, from that was my introduction to basketball for real, for real. So on um, the basketball scene, definitely was totally different. Um, definitely upbeat. Definitely um, very skillful. That was that year around before sports start becoming year around. Mm-hmm. Like in Kentucky, we balling year around. Right. Um, so definitely was exciting to to be there. Yeah. So so how would you say overall? Your I know you say you kind of like kind of like got in trouble a little bit as, as a young kid, not like legal trouble or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, how would you overall like describe your childhood? You know, kind of bouncing around and staying with your uncle. A little, a little, for a little little bit of time, like how would you describe like overall the, like your childhood? So um, I would say it's funny. I would say if I say I would have a normal childhood, it would be normal because it, it was kind of the same childhood to some of you know the people that were around me. But mm-hmm. um, you know after having that transition with my uncle, I think it kind of got me um, on track. But after that, it was just you know it it was it was ball. So I use sports as an escape for all the other craziness, right? So, yeah, you know, right. I, my partners, you know, we, I was exposed to the Robin. I was exposed to, you know, the drugs. I was exposed to all those other things. But sports was just kind of that, that outlet for me to just kind of, you know, it was more so that I was like, all right, bar him. He ain't going to do that because he balling, you know what I'm saying? Right. So the peer pressure that may be on other folks because I play basketball was kind of like my out to just kind of like, yo, you good, bro. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, um, I, it was it was definitely um, it was good. You know, my mama did what she what she uh, had to do to make sure that you know I had a, a great childhood. Right. Would you say was basketball the only sport that you played, or did you play a, a multiple uh, multiple sports? And just basketball just happened to be a yeah. You know, so passion. growing up, I played basketball and football. Um, mm-hmm. When I got to like um, after my eighth grade year of high school, I decided that. Them hits were getting harder. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was yeah. like, the hits get harder. <laughs> this ain't it, man. Let me yeah. go here. So I just locked in, locked in on basketball. So I did play you know, little league and then middle school. Um, I played uh, safety and played a little running back. Um, but, you know, as I said, them hits was getting harder. Them guys was getting bigger. Thanks. And yeah. I was always small frame, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I was 150 pounds soaking wet. Five eight. Right. So, <laughs> what, what, what was your goal uh, growing up? Was, was it like you know, for most kids, well, a lot of kids, their goal is you know, make it to the pros and you know, be able to take care of their families. Like, did you have any goal? Was that like your goal to make it pro, or did you know what you wanted to be when you were growing up? Yeah, man. So you know, um, I had those typical goals. You know what I'm saying? Wanted mm-hmm. wanted to make it to the pros. Um, wanted to be in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So of course you you locking in on guys that's smaller, like the Muggsy Bowes, like the Allen Iverson, right. um, Isaiah Thomas. You locking in on those guys? Like, yes, I'm small, but he did it, or you know. So um, that was definitely one of those goals. But I honestly, I think as I began to transition, you know, the light began to kind of hit. Um, Truth is, my goal was just not to get in trouble, bro. Like, not to be locked up. Just based on my environment, that goal shifted from, like, I want to make it to the league to where, like, I don't want to die. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be locked up. Like, goals, like, just shifted based on my bad, based on, like, just the things that I was exposed to, you know what I'm saying, at that particular point in time. You know, that's a scary thought, too, you know. Um, I I didn't grow up that way, uh, you know. Uh, I'm thankful my parents were, you know, we weren't, we weren't well off with middle class. But you know, sometimes talking to certain certain people, um, they say you know like the goal is like just to stay alive. You know, that's a scary thing when this as a young kid like this your thought you're not even you know thinking about like you know becoming yourself. You just want to stay alive. Like, did you feel like that was a the goal for a lot of kids? Were you in that time growing up like just to stay alive and like what kind of impact did they have? Yeah, like, man, oh, absolutely, man. I think one of the biggest transitions for me. Uh, well, I was going through a lot once I. Once I saw that, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to, to the next level, um, it was more so trying to, like I said, it's trying to stay out of trouble. But um, mm. I, when I was 21, bro, um, I lost four friends in one year. Mm. Um, 
and I'm 21 year old. Like my guys, two of them, uh, two young men, they died in the car crash. Um, it was a late car crash, and they were they were younger than me. So they were, I was kind of like big bro. Like we play 2K together, we hoop together, right. stuff like that. Um, and then one of my friends, he was he was murdered. Um, my guy, he was uh, he would he taught me small things that you know I, I didn't know how to do, like change a tire, change your oil, and like for him to be murdered in cold blood, like it it shook me up. And this was in a matter of months. Right. Then I lost one of my guys, um, Nick Bell. Shout out to Nick Bell. He was playing middle linebacker for um, for uh, Mississippi State, and um, he died of cancer. And so it was just oh, in, in that point, in that time period, it's like being successful, bro. I just wanna like be impactful and be alive, you know what I'm saying? And so not be in trouble and just be here to make my mama proud, you know what I'm saying? Right. So the goals was just literally just stay alive and make mama proud. Mm. Did you know at that time, you know, when basketball was coming to the end, like I know you say just staying alive, but it was there anything else that you were thinking about trying to do? Like was it like going going to school, going to college? You, did you play college ball? Or so I didn't. It ended in high school. So uh-huh. I did went to – so for me, I was a late bloomer. Okay. Um, my team was loaded. Uh, shout out just in the high school class of 08. Um, we were loaded. And so, you know, when, when by that time, like, m- my mom couldn't afford for me to play AAU ball. So mm-hmm. a lot of my teammates, they got a lot of exposure playing AAU hey. ball. Um, I went through um, three coaches my senior year. So at that particular point in time, Man. you lose a head coach. So first head coach, you know, he, he got let go. Second head coach that brought in, this is all within the matter of the year. Second coach that got brought in, he disappeared, like was on the he news, just looking for him. Oh, something had something to do with drugs. So basically, oh, they man. he couldn't come back. They found him in the car, whatever case may be. And the third coach was just the B team coach that they brought up. So by that time, if you ain't got no looks, if you ain't play AU basketball, yeah. it's a wrap. You know what I'm saying? And plus, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start as a guard to my senior year. Mm-hmm. So you know, late bloomer stuff like that. So the writing was on the wall, um, but. I think there's this thing in athletes' mind where it's still subconsciously. You're like, I'm still going to make it. You know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm locked in. I don't care. ACC score where it's supposed to be, but I'm still going right. to the league. You know, just it's just subconsciously. Uh, you you just don't – almost like when somebody passes away, in your mind you're like, they ain't gone yet. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the opportunity wasn't going to me, although the writing was on the wall. You know what what do you think your your mom and your, your uncle wanted for you? You know, of course, we our, our goals and dreams are going to be different from theirs, but what – what do you think, like, they would want wanted for you growing up? So I think the biggest thing, truth be told, my mom was one that didn't really, like, she just wanted me to stay out of trouble. Mom wanted me to stay out of trouble. Um, my uncle was first-generation entrepreneur, so he was the exposure to me to understand, like, there was life outside of that 9 to 5. So watching him go from a college student to, to throwing newspapers, I would be with him in the car at 5 o'clock in the morning throwing newspapers, mm-hmm. then developing this cleaning service. And, like, I haven't seen him clock, like, hit a punch clock in 20-plus years, you know what I'm saying? So for him, he just wanted me to take the mantle and take it to the next mm-hmm. level. For him, it was that exposure to, you know, it wasn't anything in particular. He just wanted to, you know, me to – be better than him, do better than what he did, um, being first-generation entrepreneur. I think that makes a difference. I, I say this plenty of times. I think when you actually see somebody in your family, like up close and personal, that's an entrepreneur, I think that has a huge impact. Not saying that you have to go that route, right. but um, that it, it can kind of influence you to you know, kind of want to create your own opportunity as well. Is your uncle still an entrepreneur now? Like yeah, he's absolutely. He's still. Um, I definitely, we talk all the time. Um, he's still, uh, I think somebody asked me the other day, he was like, hey, man, uh, you got a financial advisor? I was like, we talking about on paper, um, I don't necessarily have someone that, but I said, I watch all the moves my uncle make. When I get, when I see him right. showing me the checks, we, it is like, oh, okay, it'll probably take me about um, six months to make that on my nine to five. Yeah. But it exposed you like, why am I sitting here when I could be making moves? And so whenever I do get money, I make investments based on um, mm-hmm. the knowledge and things that he's exposed me to. So absolutely, he's still, you know what I'm saying, killing the game, um, different things. Real estate is what he does. He does real estate. And he's here still, in, yeah, in, um, at Birmingham. in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, man, that's, man, that's a great feeling to have somebody in your corner, like I said, that you can actually reach out to, especially a family member, because mm-hmm. you know they want the best for you and they're going to show you the ropes of like mm-hmm. how to be an entrepreneur or if, if that's what you want to do. What would you say is like some of the best advice that he's given you? <clears throat> he's, gave, he's given me a lot, but I think the the biggest thing, it, it's funny, he gave this to me when I was probably about middle school, 
but it didn't hit me till I became an adult. Mm-hmm. He said, "Surround." He said, "You're you're going to become the top five people you surround yourself with." Mm-hmm. That was one of the best. And as I graduated, I began to fade into some of those temptations that I could say that I didn't that I said no to when I was playing ball. There's no expectations for me now. There's nothing for me to lose. Mm-hmm. I can't get kicked off a team. And and I began to see now. Well, okay, cool. All right. Ain't nobody around me talking about dreaming. Ain't nobody around me talking about being successful. So mm-hmm. that's when I began to kind of shift shift my at, my atmosphere, uh, shift my atmosphere um, to getting into start networking, to start mm-hmm. getting around people who were you know kind of like you said was smooth. Like you got connected to smooth who who did connect you with different people, and I was one of them. Like that's when I began to get around other people who were all going the same way, and so right. that was big for me because. You know, you hear those things, but it wasn't until you like, whoa, let me start counting the top five people that yeah. I spend the most time around and where are they life? And do mm-hmm. I want my life to be in the direction that they're going? You know what I'm saying? And so that that was big for me. Yeah, when you like when you're young, you don't really think about that type of stuff. You thinking, man, why they why they telling me this stuff? Why they people being so hard on me? He's like, man, these are my boys, man. We're gonna always hang together. And I remember, you know, everybody that you that you went to school with, you know, everybody gonna start going their separate ways and everything, but that is so true. Like, they're just looking at your circle or whatever. And that can be a scary thing to kind of like cut ties with the people that you, you came up with and, you know, trying to find a new circle. Did you have, was that a hard, was it hard for you kind of like separating that? So it was extremely tough. Cause truth be told, for me, I felt like I was there to save a lot of my boys because I was probably one of the most positive influences to some of them who was kind of like not doing the stuff that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so, but I saw that, I mean, I can't be that savior. So the, what happened was coaching saved me. I accidentally became a basketball coach. I wasn't even trying to become a basketball mm-hmm. coach. Um, I was just looking for something to fill my time with that can just to be busy. So I got a job. So it was like, hey, Barham ain't coming around because, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, I'm working. You know what I'm saying? I'm working. Right. But then it was like, oh, man, now I'm coaching. And, and so after you miss so many things and not around so long, people got to get used to it. So mm-hmm. it's more so like it ain't no hard feelings. It's just now I'm busy because I'm working. Now I'm busy because I'm coaching. Now I'm busy because all of this. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it was tough transition because I'm the type of person where I'm a people person. I care what people think um, right. because I get close to people. You know what I'm saying? And so some of those relationships, you you, you know, it was, it, was, it was a little bit tough. But um, I, I began to see that it was definitely – uh, something sometimes you got to give up something to go up, mm-hmm. and so at that particular moment, I knew that it was just that time to give up the, and sacrifice those relationships, uh, so that I can go up into the things that God Man, had that, for me. That made me think about something one of my mentors, uh, Ben, told me. We had a, a men of vision Bible study. We do it uh, the first Monday of every uh, month, and uh, he said something powerful on the last um, meet um, Bible study we had. He's like you. You really find out who your friends are when you want better for yourself. Mm. And he was just like, when you find, when you really want to move up in life and you want to change, he said, that's when you find out who your friends are. Because you know, a lot of times they, if they, they don't want. Sometimes if they don't want best for you, they're like, man, why are you doing this? Why you, man, you shouldn't be doing that. You, you just thinking, you thinking crazy now. He's like, you really find out who your friends are when you want better for yourself and you're trying to move up in life and go somewhere. He said, that's when you find out who your who your true friends are. Absolutely, because sometimes you don't have those people say it don't take all that, but the truth of the matter is it does take all that, and you going that hard exposes their them for not going as hard, mm-hmm. right? So you start going as hard, you you sacrificing, you you going for that dream, and now it's kind of in that face like, man, I ain't doing as much. Let me slow you down so that I can feel comfortable, because you're making me real uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if y'all rocking and they're your, your friend, they able to say, oh. Let me kick my gears up too, because I'm yeah. not trying to be left behind. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So yeah, that's definitely. And it, it should want to, it should inspire them to, you know, want more or whatever. And 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 not everybody wants to, you know, go to entrepreneurship right. But it's just in general, like in yeah. life, it should inspire you to, you know, to do to want to be better than yeah. and, and strive for more in life or whatever you want, like whatever yeah. personal goals that you mm-hmm. have. It should do that. But you know, like you said, sometimes you can go back home, you can move away. And come back home and you still see some of the same people, same people. doing the same, same thing stuff. all the time. Ain't nothing changed. 
um, they still going out or they still drinking or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like they still had those same habits that you had. And it's like, man, we, we're grown now. We're not <laughs> in school no more. Like we got families. So Responsibilities now. Responsibility, <laughs> yeah. Things, things change and it's supposed to change. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, Honestly, high school was like the best days of some yeah. people's lives because, yeah. you know, a lot of them were popular or whatever it is. Yeah. And then after that's over with, it's like... You're a regular person until yeah. you, <laughs> you make yourself world. known again. <laughs> exactly. For you, um, so after high school, did you transition right into college or were you still try- Did you go work a job or what was like your initial transition right after gotcha. high school? Gotcha. So um, after high school, I did go to college. I went to Lawson State Community College. It's community college um, here. And and during that time, um, that is where you know once you come home, it's like I'm I'm either gonna do the same routine because you got more time now. The school day is not a long school day, yeah, so yeah. you can still get into trouble. And so um, through that, um, one of my uh, old teammates, his dad was coaching um, Lily basketball. Um, little uh, the elementary Lily thing is kind of it was big in our area. Um, we have like five or six um, elementary schools. In the city, so of course it's rivals like West Side versus East Side, North Side, mm-hmm. all of that stuff like that. And so I went to to a practice to just kind of like I'm like, okay, cool, maybe coaching is for me. I like kids, I like this. I just asked him, can I learn up under him? He was like, yeah, sure. Well, probably about three weeks into it, um, he had some personal things come up, so he wasn't able to do it. So it was a police league, so they sent another police officer um, mm-hmm. to kind of coach the league. Well, when the officer came, it was one of those things to where they kind of. He didn't want to do it, and the kids was listening to me over him. She's like, bro, I see you got it, so just go ahead. At that time, I'm 19 years old. So I'm like, goodness gracious, I'm, a, I'm still a kid. I'm responsible for kids now. Right. They're, they're 10 and 11. And so that was literally one of those things that changed my life because I had to grow up real fast. It wasn't just about basketball. I'm a leader now. Um, I remember one of the first things that kind of – Took me for a loop as well. One of my guys got in trouble, and the principal came, brought me in the office. She's like, all right, coach, what are we going to do? Me, I'm 19. I'm like, man, he just, it's cool. He all right. Just like my little brother. We'll figure it out. You good. Go back out there. But I had to actually sit him out for a game or two because he got in a fight and got in trouble. And so, but it, it taught me a lesson. It hurt me to do it to him, but it taught me to, that transition of growing up. Like, it's more than life than just this. Like, you're, exactly. you're grooming young men now. So now I had to start, like, the, the personal development now, because in order for me, like what comes out, what come, what goes in is comes out. So mm-hmm. now at that particular point in time, you know, I'm list, I'm filling myself with, you know, certain music. And so for me, when I got mad, I'm, I'm, I'm cussing, I'm going off. But now these little boys looking at me and they cussing they and going off. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, I got to be exposed to something different. And that's what led me into kind of like that personal development scene. You know, being exposed to that. Um, Eric Thomas was my exposure at that particular time. And once, like, seeing that, I'm like, whoa, that's the impact I want to have on people. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that was that transition after school, um, after, after high school. You know, of course, that was that gap when I told you I lost all my friends. So I was just in that point of I need to do something positive. People are leaving here. And one of the craziest things happened to me. Um, it happened to me twice. In, in probably like a four-month span because I lost so many. I was in the funeral, and I opened up obituary, and I saw my face on the obituary. And I closed it back real quick. Mm. Like, did I just see what I just see? So I'm, 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 I stop. I look back at it. And so when it happened the second time, I was like, okay, God, what you trying to say to me? You know what I'm saying? That was a part of that transition of when you talk about leaving people, I'm like, okay, cool. This is a warning. That I'm seeing my face in the obituary, let me make that, that transition. So that's how it, it kind of faded um, into that. So, you know, that's how that was. Yeah, that's a – man, that's a, a scary feeling. It's a wake-up call because you know, you know, everybody has a day where you got – it's a checkout time. We don't know when it is, but that's a that's a scary sight. Uh, just something to even think about, especially being that young. Like, mm-hmm. you you know, when you're young, you think you're going to live forever, but mm-hmm. you know – People leave here every single day, not knowing, not knowing when is when it's gonna be their time. But for you, I want to ask you also, you know, going back to you know what you said about those kids. Did you? Why do you think they kind of like listen to you more, like as opposed to anybody else? Was you think it's because they a lot of those kids, you know, they play those sports, they may look like us, or look like you. Do you think that's why they kind of like 
your words resonated more with them? I think it probably was a twofold. Um, one, I was probably closer in age, um, mm. and they saw me playing. So I'm shooting, I'm doing dribble moves, I'm actually in there doing the cones and all that with them. And two, because of it was it was twelve, it was police. So although it was a police league, there still was this persona um, that they're hearing, whether it's their parents or you know mm-hmm. people surround them, don't trust the police. Right. So, you know, even being young, the rebellion starts early. It wasn't until I almost became an adult. I'm like, bro, I'm not even mad at the police. They ain't doing nothing to me. I ain't, you know, right. you know what I'm saying? Before we got into this era of seeing pro- police brutality, you know what I'm saying, um, on social media and stuff like that. At that particular point in time, I'm like, yo, why am I so mad? But I was understanding it was the conditioning. So I feel mm-hmm. like that was that was uh, definitely one of the reasons why they, they came closer towards me because I was younger in age. Um, they can relate. I was in the mix doing drills, doing certain things, and I had three weeks with them while I'm, uh, I'm there. Inconsistency. I think for a lot of them, kind of like myself sometimes, it was not having a lot of consistency in your life. So you see somebody who's, who's there, they were like, okay, we're going to rock with him because he consistent. He here. He here every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and they don't know. I needed them more than they needed me. You right. know what I'm saying? Just because trying to find my purpose, trying to figure out what's next for me, that transition was tough. So I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm showing up because I'm here because y'all giving me a sense of feeling like I'm doing something. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm providing some value to this world because the crowd ain't cheering no more. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody checking on me. I ain't bouncing no ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't, I ain't entertaining nobody. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is the value that I'm giving. So I'm going to show up uh, for y'all. Absolutely. I saw you had it the uh, on your page. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. And you were talking about the young lady. I think you were asking the young lady about what she wanted to do. And she was saying that uh, basketball is me. I am basketball. And you said it, it, it hurt you because she kind of blurred the potential of hiding her gifts. How do how did you uh, get your point across to her? Because you were asking like, what did she want to be? And you know, for you know, a lot of times athletes they a lot of them think that their identity is tied up into you know whatever sport that they play. Like, talk a little bit about that and like, uh, how did you get your point across to her? It's like, uh, how do you think she took that? Gotcha. So uh, the conversation started because I was there. I'm on a career day and we were just talking about different things. And um, I had gave her my book, um, When the Ball Goes Flat. And so because of that, I been I went through that journey. I understood how tough that transition was. I understood that um, the notion of ball is life. And so I, 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 like I literally, like I lived that, the whole thing, until I realized that that ball can go flat and, like, it's over with until, mm-hmm. the, to, until the next thing. And so I understand sometimes it's the conditioning. Sometimes it could be the pressure of – family members. Sometimes it can be the pressure of, you know, your friends to where like, yes, that there is I lock in on something and I'm gonna I'm gonna be all in on this. But for me, because I'm on the other side and I understand, goodness, there's way more to me than basketball. Like I got some other gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes with athletes we play so much and so long that we don't do anything. During the summertime we play we hooping, we playing yeah. basketball, baseball, whatever case it may be. You know what I'm saying? Some of us we don't have time to get a little summer job. Sometimes we don't depending on your situation, like bro, I didn't go on a vacation till I probably was an adult. So I never knew what it was like to do certain mm-hmm. things. So the skills and all that. So I'm, in me, I'm already looking at it. I'm like, you know, what 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 else, you know, what, what that conversation came about when I asked her, what other what else are you good at outside of basketball? Mm-hmm. What else do you like? I was trying to get her to expose her mind to start thinking about, all right, cool. Um, do you like cooking? You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you do you do you all go on, you know, vacations? Do you like swimming? You know what I'm saying? Do you like Whatever it is, just trying to see, like, what else do you like doing? What's your personality style, mm-hmm. right? Do you like being behind the scenes chilling? Do you like being in front of people? You know, do you like talking? Like, what is it? And so when I asked her, you know, what else would she like to do? Uh, she was like, nothing. She's like, I am basketball. Basketball is me. And, it, like, it hurt me. And turn- I understood it respectfully right. because in my mind and everybody around me, this is it. This is my ticket. I told you that. Mm-hmm. But – the truth of the matter is we have to start exposing our our kids now, like beforehand. I said it's the coaches, the administrators, the parents. Like it's a community. It's all of our – because the same way that we cheer for kids when they score a bucket or sc- score a touchdown, when they bring their, their report card home, guess what we say? 
Ah, uh, that was supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When they do all this stuff, you clean your room, you were supposed, supposed to do that. To, yeah, that's real. But so what is praised is repeated. So if the only, th- only time I get praised is when I'm scoring or when I'm performing, this is all that I love because mm-hmm. this is everybody wants to be validated. This is what gets me validated, right? right? Um, so I knew that it's way more to her than that. And so um, that's what I meant by it, it kind of hurt me because I understand where she is, but it's also um, hurting that she just don't understand. Well, she's going to figure it out, but in that particular moment, it's like, goodness, well, but will she? Because mm-hmm. where we are, sometimes they don't figure it out if nobody's telling them, you know what I'm saying, that, that you're valuable even if you're an athlete or not. I'm just talking about that, it made me think. So I'm, because, you know, coaches, they, they have a huge responsibility, you know, they're looking over a lot of different players on the team, but it's like, what do you think the coaches should do is not just the coaches, the parents, everybody should do as far as like helping these athletes understand that it's more to life than just whatever sport that they're playing. Cause eventually even the greatest athletes that you're watching today, they got to hang it up too. Some mm-hmm. just happen to are blessed to play longer than mm-hmm. others. Um, but what, what is it that you think we could do to kind of like help these athletes understand like, yes, go after your dreams and your passion, but understand eventually um, everybody has to hang it up and there's going to be more to life than whatever sport that you play. What do you think we could do to like help these athletes understand it? Gotcha. So it's more so about being intentional on incorporating it inside of the everyday. So the biggest thing is I understand wholeheartedly how like a lot of coaches don't have a lot of time, so to speak. I only got a lot enough time to game plan, to prepare, practice, mm-hmm. all that stuff, but sacrifice some of that time to be intentional Right, connecting them and exposing them to people um, who have who have been on been in their journey. Right, expose them to a nurse, expose them to a judge, expose them to a pro athlete who transitioned and they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. Like expose them to those type of people so they understand, as well as expose them to the characteristics of of outside of being an athlete. Right, so why are you telling them to show up every day? Right, or Give them some responsibility to make them be responsible for something, like because right. as an athlete, people do everything for us our entire lives. It's not until they stop till you realize, goodness, I gotta actually set my alarm clock to get up. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. coming to tell me to wake up, exactly. right? Oh, oh, I gotta actually like say like if I spend the money on this card, if I don't put nothing else back, if I don't got no job and they're coming through, like yeah. I'm broke. I gotta budget and balance my money. Mm-hmm. I gotta set doctor's appointments. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to yeah. be responsible for certain. So, it's more so, like, I, I know a lot of guys who actually do it. And I'm not going to say it, it's not cross board. I know some good guys who actually do some things where, you know what I'm saying, like, they're buying kids suits to help, like, that's, this is your jersey for life. Like, you had your jersey, but this is your jersey for life mm-hmm. so that you're able to know, like, oh, you had an interview. This is what it looks like. How do you communicate, you know what I'm saying, when, whenever you're doing certain things? So it's more so about just taking the time to expose them to anything outside. Yes, they're going to be winners, but it takes that coach to be um, to care more so about the impact than winning. Like, both are valuable. We want right. to win, but what happens when they leave you? And yep. sometimes people feel like they're not responsible for it. Exactly. And that, the majority of the kids that's on your team, they're not going to make it to mm-hmm. that next level. Uh, let alone the pros, but it's just so tough to, to get to that level. So it's like, and I, I always I want to put put everything on the coach because it takes a village, you know. Mm-hmm. But the coach do spend a, a play a significant part in it as well because you're around these kids and you know, like you said, the the things that they have they instill in, in them as well as as well as their parents. Um, what do you think sports? The tools. What what tools do you say sports gave you to help you succeed in life, bro? It's so many, but when I think about it, I tell I tell them all the time, athletes are the most marketable human beings in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, because there's so many different things. One of the things in the corporate world um, that I feel like I have a jump on people when they deal with it who are not athletes is adversity. You wake up every day to solve problems. People who wake mm-hmm. up that feel like they're not going to have a problem in their day, as an athlete, we wake up for adversity every day, right? Yep. Uh, being able to adapt, adaptability. So you you prepare for a game plan, you go on a game plan. None of that works. Those who don't adapt, they lose. So as an mm-hmm. adult, if you don't have the ability to, to adapt, yes, they told you you were going to do this, but now you have to do this. If you're going to fight change, you're not going to be being a leader, mm-hmm. right? Being consistent, having to show up and be consistent. Right? You, you literally, like, 
just discipline. Being a di- like, I don't want no penalties. I don't want to be out of bounds. I don't want to, like, discipline. So as an adult, I have to be disciplined. This person is going off on me. I have to tap into the discipline as an athlete to understand if I clap back like I want to, that's a flag on the play. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a technical foul that costs the team, i.e., my family, the company, the brand, something, right? So these are the things as an athlete that I learned. You know, what I'm saying just the grind and the grit of taking care of yourself because I think a lot of times just because I'm not an athlete no more doesn't mean that I don't have to take care of my temple. Like I still gotta run, I still gotta lift weights, I still gotta eat. Um, somewhat clean, you know what I'm saying? You still mm-hmm. got to take care of your body yeah. um, because you want to live longer, you want to be impactful, and, and and that's a part of it. So it, it's it's just so much that that sports as athlete, that that's why I like to tell them, that, that is transferable. Oh, I'm knocking everything. Okay. <laughs> I'm sticking my hands. That's transferable. Uh-huh. Um, and so it, it's definitely a lot that, you know, that you learn as an athlete that goes into life. You just have to, like, be intentional about, oh, all right, cool. So, you know what I'm saying? Now I got to I got to be on defense today. That mean that I got to make sure that, you know what I'm saying, my attitude is in the right place. I'm deflecting on, you know, whatever's going to come my way. I, let me adapt and adjust to whatever it is. Um, let me be a leader and take initiative. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Let me set the tone. I think when sports is big, like, let me hit them in the mouth first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yep. um, sometimes if that comes to show, showing up, you got to show up. Every single game, as an athlete, as as an entrepreneur, you know that if you, you don't show, show up, up for your business, who else gonna do it? Exactly. No matter how I feel, I gotta show up. Mm-hmm. I have to be consistent. I have to have that grit and that grind, and it's just the will to win. Um, um, it's just um, just so many different things. It is, man. But like you said, <laughs> that discipline, like that, this one is gonna be the uh, a key separate discipline and consistency. You know, just showing up for for your teammates and showing up. Most importantly, showing up for yourself. Because if you can't show up for yourself, you ain't, you're not going to show up for your teammates. But that discipline to, you know, get up and do what you're supposed to do. Like I said, even in sport, running those extra sprints. Everything, I remember those suicides we used to have in practice, man. Thinking, thinking to yourself, like, you can't run no more, but you mm-hmm. still got to push yourself to go. Because you, you got to do it for yourself. You got to do it for your teammates. It's just so much stuff, man. But like I said, this, that discipline and that consistency, I think, even if you're not an entrepreneur in the entrepreneurship space, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, uh, whether you, you gotta have that as a uh, if you work a nine to five as well, because discipline is gonna be uh, a key to what, whatever you do in life. Absolutely, that also shows you that I think you said something that kind of clicked in my mind as an athlete is understanding that like sports taught me that the only only limits are inside of your mind mm-hmm. because as you said with those with those suicides and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You do them, and Coach said we got three more. you like, I can't do it, mm-hmm. but you end up doing it. Or when you're lifting those weights, and you like, goodness, I can't put no more yeah, on that bar. Right, yeah. But then it goes, and it's like, well, my max two weeks ago is no longer my max. Because at two weeks ago, it was impossible to lift mm-hmm. 150. But this week, I'm lifting 175. So the only limits was in my mind. So even yep. inside of, you know what I'm saying, as a professional, literally, the only limits are inside our mind, right? So what's what's the difference between, mm-hmm. um, you know what I'm saying, a, a Jay-Z, a rapper, than a Jay-Z, the businessman? Mm-hmm. Like, did he just limit himself to being an artist? No. The only limits are some artists are like, this is all I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it literally just understanding that um, that the only limits are in our mind was one of those yeah, things that, as well. That made me think about my I, – I I'm telling you, I talk about this guy all the time. Ben, he, he changed my life, man, and we were at uh, – we had a conference, uh, Success is My Prey conference, um, a couple of weeks ago. And, he, you know, it's, he always talks about it's, a, it's like a mind game. It's what you tell yourself. He's like, I wake up in the morning and tell myself, I am a beast. I can do whatever I want to do. He's just like, it's just like a, a, lion in, a lion in the jungle, wherever the lion is. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. But when he sees an elephant or whatever, it's just his mindset that like, tells him that, man, he can do whatever. He sees food. He's going out there to eat. And it's like it's all about what you tell yourself and, like, the mind. It's all in your mind. And it's so powerful, man. Like you said, you tell yourself you can't do something, you're not going to be able to do it. It's just about, like, what you believe. And if you have that strong belief system of, of, of that you can accomplish anything, man, you'll, you'll be amazed at, like, how far you can go in life. So that's something that's important for, uh, for kids to understand, and all athletes to understand as well. Absolutely. I want to uh, ask you about um, – you mentioned your book earlier as well, um, When the Ball Goes Flat. How how long um 
how long ago did you write the book? Like, how long has it been out? And what led you to write the book? Yeah, so um, I wrote it in 2020. Um, well, I'm sorry. I read it. I wrote it in 2021. It was it was back on my spirit again in 2020. So I had um, – one of the things we would always tell our guys on my – I coach basketball at McAdoo High School, home of Bo Jackson, for those who are not around okay. the area. Uh, he, that's where he played football at. But um, I coach basketball there. And so – one of the things we would tell our guys all the time, uh, shout out to my guy James Pointexter, we would tell them, like, all right, now you need to, like, you need to get everything, everything you got because one day the ball going to go flat. Like, you ain't got all the time you think you got. Like, give it everything you got. And so um, that that was always in my spirit. But I think one of the biggest things that hit me was I knew that I struggled with transitioning, but I began to see some of my former high school guys struggle with transition as well. Some of my mm-hmm. college guys struggle with transition as well. And I'm like, okay, it's not just – it wasn't just me. This is a thing. And I think one of the biggest things uh, is when 2020 came, when sports shut down, and I seen a lot of yeah. athletes experience. I'm like, oh, they're about, to, they're about to feel what I felt. They don't have a game plan to understand how to deal with this. You know, so some of them still haven't recovered because right. they ain't start back playing. Because what started happening is – they gave those college athletes extra years of eligibility, which means that some of those high school athletes who would have gotten scholarships, they're mm-hmm. no longer getting those scholarships. Mm-hmm. So, um, literally, it was on my spirit to just like, hey, time is now. I had wanted to do the book, but I was like, yo, the time is now to put out the book when the ball goes flat. Um, and so I connected with, with my coach, Jasmine Womack, um, powerful, powerful, powerful individual. Um, and she literally helped me write the book in three days. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's literally been up ever since had the opportunity to, you know, be featured in media and different things like that. Um, but most importantly, to be able to give the book to athletes and talk to athletes about it specifically, cause it's a conversation starter. I think for me, the biggest thing is I like to approach it from a positive aspect, right? Cause most people kind of like, all right, now nah, you, you ain't gonna be able to play them sports all your life. Right. You need to do something else more. So for me, my perspective is, um, I want you to be able to identify the gifts that you have outside of this, right? Uh, I want you to be prepared beforehand. Right? So when you transition, you transition with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not one of those things that it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm dreading it. Like, of course, we all going to have those feelings and that itch, like, mm, I wish I had one more game. Right. But I got fulfillment and I got things over here. So for me, it's more so how I wanted to approach, approach it from a positive aspect to help them identify, um, to avoid the identity crisis that most athletes feel, to understand, like, your personality trait, you know, those values that you have inside of you, um, and, and just, just different things, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you, you answered that question because I was going to ask you, like, what was the best way to, you know, to, to, you know, talk to kids about or athletes in general about, you know, understanding it was going to, it's going to be a time where, because like you said, you don't want to just say, all right, you can't play forever. Mm-hmm. It's just certain ways that you have to, to talk to them. But a lot of a lot of kids, you know, like I said, like, like the young lady early, like she is basketball, basketball is her. What do you think that um, their identity comes from? Like what, what do you think these athletes get the identity to, to, so tied up into uh, playing these sports? Do you think it's just something that comes from the parents, the coaches, like where – it's all about that sport. What do you think that identity getting tied up in the sports comes from? Well, so the truth of the matter is um, we all can be tied into an identity of something that we do repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think about most of these kids, from the time they put the ball in in their hand at four or five, sometimes early as three, uh, I put the ball in my my other, my youngest. She, she won. Mm-hmm. Now I got the basketball go to the room, but – um, from the time they get the ball in their hand, right, they're getting praise, they're getting fulfillment. You know, families coming to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, so to speak, you know, that's the only time that people show up for them when they when they play in a sport. And so they can, unless somebody tells them that you are bigger than this particular thing, um, it's easy to be to be wrapped into it. Um, and so right. no different than than an artist who may draw. You know what I'm saying? Um, or someone who may do music, if they've done it their whole life, it's like, if I ask you, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. I'm a rap artist. Or I'm a basketball player. I'm a football player. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think it's based on the people around them. Um, if nobody have the conversation with helping them identify themselves or find, 
you know, who they are and what they love outside of, you know, that particular sport or thing, um, it's going to continue to happen. And so mm-hmm. sometimes we're repeating based on what we saw. So sometimes you might have parents living through their kids. And so that pressure of that, you like, right. I can't do nothing else. Or sometimes it may be poverty. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just trying to help get us out of this situation so yep. I get engulfed into it. This is all I think about. And, and I genuinely love it. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we can we can be, uh, we want to be attached to something. Um, and so sometimes it easily just happens based on the exposure um, and what people have praised and groomed us to and what we saw other people mm-hmm. do. And it's like success is, success is like a drug. It's like, I think it'll be, it's probably harder to, for kids, you know, like you said, when they get that praise and adulation from, from their fer- friends and family, um, it's harder for them to let that go, especially if they're going further and further in the sport than mm. somebody who may not be as talented and doesn't get to that level. It's like it's probably a lot harder for those guys mm-hmm. to, you know, to let that thing go because mm-hmm. they're so great at what they do that mm-hmm. when it's gone, now it's like what do I do next in mm-hmm. life? I want to ask you, um, tra- transition a little bit um, about the NIL, I want to ask you, like, what is your thoughts on, like, the NIL? And because and, it's a new day and age for the athletes now. Um, how do you, what are your feelings about the NIL? Man, I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, just simply because, I mean, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these kids are what's getting these schools paid, is what's getting these coaches mm-hmm. paid. Mm-hmm. So, why not get a piece of that pie? You know what I'm saying? Like, it. it they are the ones who's waking up. Yes, it's people telling them to wake up, but they're waking up. They're sacrificing their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're sacrificing their mental health. They're sacrificing all those things. So why not? Because that's that's what they, since they were little, you know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, yes, if I do my work, I get a scholarship for school. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? That's I mean, with athletes, you can say, okay, cool, we pay for school for them. All right, that's not enough because... Y'all give millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me get some. But even with the NIL, um, I love it because number one, it helps with not only all right. We're not just saying okay, cool, these kids. Because I don't understand. It's things about it where boosters just are just giving kids money and they're not doing things outside of it. We can't some stuff you can't control. Right. But it it ties into when we talk about the transition to athletes. If you're learning early, right, as a professional. How do we? How to get money? So uh, if I'm building my brain early, so you understand mm-hmm. how to, what it looks like to um, have influence, right? Um, how to public speak, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so many different ways for them to get nil, right? So you could have an endorsement, um, you could have uh, merch, you could sign things, um, you could create your own platform um, where mm-hmm. you get private access to whatever you charge people to. You know what I'm saying? Let's say if right now, especially if I was a college athlete, we want exclusive access to him. What if it's a, uh, like a Bryce Young? You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, cool. I just want to kick it with Bryce and be in his, whether it's a Discord room, whether his his, right. his group chat, whatever the case may be. If you're charging $10 a month to have exclusive access, he don't have to, but I'm just saying, literally, you, you're spending yeah. 30 minutes a day just chilling like while you playing the game. People gonna pay for that. Too. People gonna pay for that. Yep. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That, yeah. It's just a smart. So here's the thing: the biggest thing is it levels out the playing field as well. So even though, in my perspective, um, for my athletes, is you may not be a Bryce Young, you may be a third, fourth string, but you still can leverage your NIL. Mm-hmm. Guess what? There's still restaurants, businesses online who wants to have your audience or your image, name, image, and likeness that you are an athlete at such and such school. Um, whether you become a trainer, whatever case may be, you still can leverage this. Social media, TikTok is going crazy right now um, for these athletes who are being able to monetize. So um, I love it um, for our mm-hmm. athletes because it just teaches them um, how to – they can go ahead and create their brands. I see athletes right now who are creating brands to where, well, am I talking – okay, yes, I got my degree. Yes, basketball, football is over, but – I got a whole brand that I'm mm-hmm. running now. I'm not even worried about that because I they started it while they was playing the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I got real estate. I got such and such because they mm-hmm. have they got more access to funds, which is the biggest thing. So they're able to to do more things. Right. So and it, and it helps helps them because you know these athletes playing year round and training. It's it's hard for them to get a job and work. And they try can't. To it's impossible. Exactly. So now. They have opportunity, you know, take care of themselves, take care of them family. Not, and of course, 
you hope and pray that these guys have the right people around them that kind of helps them with their money and everything. But you don't want to just uh, fault them and say, well, they don't deserve this type of money because they don't know how to handle it. This is America, man, and, it, you know, this country is built on capitalism mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So for these guys, like you said, these colleges, they've made millions, and coaches made millions and billions of dollars off of these athletes. So it's definitely time for them to make some money off of their own name. Because like you said, even these guys now, all of them are not going to make make it to the pros anyway. So let them make something while they can and uh, help them, like you said, propel them, whether it's real estate or with building their brands. Like So when it's time for them after college, if they don't make it to the pros, they can still use their brand to help them, you know, propel them in life as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should they, um, should athletes focus on um, capitalizing while they can or because I know it can be, this is kind of dicey as well because, you know, you still have to, you know, play your sport, train. Should should more of the focus be, like, where are you as far as, like, them, you know, focusing on their sport but also capitalizing on their name? Like, how, how difficult is that? Like, what do you, what should be, like, the balance of that? So, at the end of the day, you got to show up for work first, mm -hmm. right? So, the main focus should be being the best athlete I can and the best student I can so that I can remain the best athlete I can. Um, within that, you know what I'm saying? Those opportunities come because, you know, after you are uh, playing the game, after you do whatever, you still got down. I think that it helps them stay out of trouble mm -hmm. because, you know what I'm saying, that they, they're dedicated to whatever they got to do so much to where, you know, you don't have a lot of time, but that time that you had to get in trouble, you know, you want to focus and, and, and leverage that, right? Um, so, number one, the main priority is you got to show up because, we want to see the people who doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, of course, you want to take advantage of those opportunities that are around you, um, whether it's the online opportunities or the offline opportunities. One of the things that I, one of the methods that I help my athlete use is when we talk about restaurants and getting endorsements. Sometimes endorsements may not be money, but you, if you're going to eat somewhere for free all the time, add up. I, I'm good. Add that add up, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so, um, when you think about from a, a restaurant perspective, right, um, you got where you are playing, and then you got where you came from, right? So you got a mm -hmm. uh, 50-mile radius, 20-50-mile radius of where you are now because everybody's coming to see this team. And then where you came from, they want to be known that yeah. this is such and such and from he here. eats here, right? Uh, whether they get you know their own burger or their own meal, uh, whatever the case may be. And so whenever you're going home, what, what does it take to roll through Eat, eat there at the spot, you know, sign your autographs, take your pictures, uh, get some burgers or get some ice cream cones mm -hmm. on you. Um, but it brings attention to that particular brand, right? So uh, it's, it's big. I feel like I just kind of went off subject, but no, <laughs> off the but question. That, that, you made a but great I just, point <laughs> I never thought about it. It's like as far as like them capitalizing off of it, it's like where they are now and, you know, going back home. Like because people love to say this is where I'm from um, and we built a successful brand. Welcome back to the Cross the Line Podcast. We had to pause for a quick second. We had a good uh, conversation on um, while we were getting everything set back up. Um, we have a few more questions, and we'll, and we'll get ready to wrap it up. Do you feel like you're still, I, I guess it's safe to say, that you're still invested in sports as like you were? Like, Would you say you're more invested in it now, like being on the other side of it, as you were when you, as opposed to when you played sports? Are you still invested in it? Yeah, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just as invested in it, um, probably probably more, um, because, you know, being invested with the athletes, like, in the in the sports perspective, and then outside of it, because now, as an athlete, you're just dealing with the athlete, but now I'm dealing with the whole being, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm dealing with them as a young man, as a young lady, because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to be somebody's husband, somebody's wife. Um, somebody's mother, somebody's father. Mm -hmm. So it's more invested into grooming the whole individual as well as helping them outside of that with, with brands and business and stuff like that as well. So I think I'm more invested now than I was um, than I was playing the game because all I had to worry about was was me and having fun, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. um, I think it's more investment into the thing now. Is there anything that you thought, um, as we wrap, started wrapping this up, that you thought at a point in life you thought was a failure, but it actually turned out to be a blessing and, and worked in your favor? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I would say <laughs> not playing college basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I thought that was a failure. Uh, so much so, when I started coaching at the high school level, um, it was a little bit intimidating because the first thing, um, you know, folks would ask, where you played at? And mm-hmm. dreading that question and not feeling like I'm good enough in this space. But then it started, turned out to be a blessing when I started to like truly realize my gift and how I have a gift to connect them with these athletes like nobody else. Right. I have the ability to... You know, yes, I didn't go play at such and such college, and I can't speak to them about this experience, but I could teach them how to create an entire brand, how to show up on social media, how to monetize it, how to take something free and turn it into a fee. I, I know how to, to prepare them and help them in so many more ways to where it turned out to be a blessing. So, yeah, it was just one of those things to where it's like, dang, man, I didn't get an opportunity to play at the next level for whatever reason because I'm at this point where I take full responsibility. I ain't do what I'm supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. But it turned out to be a blessing because I was able to take the veil off my eyes and def- discover like the other gifts that I have um, and make a huge impact. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Would you say is there anything that you think you would do differently if you had to go back on, along your journey? Is there anything you would go back and change? Um. Uh, yeah, I definitely. One thing I would change was I would. Not necessarily change probably what it did faster is um, invest in my personal development, my personal professional mm-hmm. development. Um, once I began to to invest in my personal professional development, um, that started exposing me to people who were doing things that helped me to see. Right, so I got into Eric Thomas. Um, Eric Thomas is number one motivational speaker in the world. Got into mm-hmm. his personal development community. Um, so I had the opportunity to not only um, be a part of one of his first ever um, speaking um, workshops where he was teaching other speakers how to do the same thing, but I also had the opportunity to run run one of his uh, basketball camps um, mm-hmm. as well. And so being in the mix of that, you start connecting with people. Like, of course, he bring Cam Newton in and mm-hmm. he's bringing different people in, but you get in an environment where it's like, whoa, you making six, seven figures. You pulling your pants like me? You look like me, and you telling me you had some of the same struggles I am. I'm making them as an excuses. You using them as leverage. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one of those things where I, I just I would have literally invested in my personal and professional development more to get around um, people um, that helped shift and, and change my mind to see that uh, the possibilities that we have in life. Um, and so that's what I would have done faster uh, for me. Uh, is, is I would have done that. My final two questions that we'll wrap it up. What advice do you have for anyone, you know, pursuing their dreams? They may not want to go on to play sports as a professional athlete. Um, they may want to be an entrepreneur or they may want to, whatever it is in life that it is they want to do. What advice would you have for someone that wants to pursue their dreams? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I would tell them is they can have, they can be, they can do whatever it is they want to as long as they're willing to go through and grow through whatever it takes. Mm. They're willing to go through and grow through it because there's some things that, uh, like, it's going to come with challenges. This life is going to come with challenges, come, come with adversities. I mean, a lot of it is, like, sometimes, I tell people all the time, sometimes you can't, like, you can't figure it out or you can't get where you need to because you don't have those examples. So you have to fail at that thing. Um, failure is not always a bad thing. Like, growing up, right, you fail a test, you fail a class, you get talked about. It, it, it looks bad. But in this game, you, you hear the cliche of fail fast, but you learn faster when you're mm-hmm. able to do that. And failure is not a bad thing. And it's like you literally failing gives you the answers to what you need to get to that next level or to open the door where you need to go. So um, if they're willing to go through and grow through whatever it takes, they can have be and do whatever they want to be. Absolutely. And my, my last and final question that I ask everyone, this is the Cross the Line Podcast Self-Investment Tour. So, my final question I love to ask everyone is, what does self-investment mean to you? Mm. So self-investment mean to me is, in, in, in simple terms, bet on yourself. Like, it, no matter if it's your mama, your daddy, your cousin, nobody, like, there's nobody responsible for making you be the best version of yourself or your success like yourself. So it's literally not asking for nobody to do nothing. Like, you're putting all the chips in. You putting all the chips in and putting everything. So self-investing means literally betting on yourself, not waiting on nobody to do nothing. You believing in you and you going forward. No matter how it's going to turn out, 
you going all in um, and, and putting in the work that it takes for yourself to grow um, or whatever that vision or dream it is for yourself. Absolutely. Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, a lot of great information. Enjoy hearing your story and how you're inspiring other people. Before we get out of here, can you tell everyone how to find you online and uh, and find your book as well? Absolutely. Um, you can find me online um, at, on all platforms at Michael Barham Elevates. Um, and that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-A-R-H-A-M-E-L-E-V-A-T-E-S. Um, and you can also find my book on my website at michaelbarhamelevates.com. Um, and so, yeah, just just uh, connect with me. What I would like for you to do is just DM me uh, the word elevate. Uh, if you're looking to, if you're an athlete who's looking to do something with NIL, um, if you're a parent, if you're a coach just looking to, to connect uh, with your student athletes, uh, DM me the word elevate and, and we'll definitely um, connect and I'll um, help you with whatever it is that you need. All right. Thank you again, Michael. And as we wrap this up, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, KB's Car Care. Thank you to Big Ben's Desserts. And also thank you to Miss Charlene Davis at Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. And also I want to give another quick shout out to Smooth again for helping us, you know, make this interview possible. He's been showing us a good time around around y'all area, man, and making us yeah. make a lot of great connections. So shout we out to Smooth, Smooth again. Yeah, absolutely. So Hopefully, everyone enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line podcast. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.